Welcome to the NerdSloth Podcast, for two lazy nerds talk about whatever we got the energy for. My name is Chris. And I am Joseph. And we tried pretty, pretty hard to get most of the Baldur's Gate 3 talk out before we started recording, because better believe we had a lot more stuff to say and talk about. (laughs) So we did our best at, at talking through it before we started, so we don't do like a Baldur's Gate three like second episode but i mean you know, you know no promises because that's pretty we'll much my life right a little now more. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll probably talk about it because i'm i'm going so slow at it i mean we talked about it however many weeks ago and i'm just now getting into act two so you know it's it's a thing i don't but, um i don't know time. how many hours i had in it at that point but i think as of yesterday with all the so i've beaten it so first yeah that much. I beat my first playthrough, but I say first playthrough because I started again and I'm playing like multiple sessions with different people, co-op sessions, because the multiplayer yes. is so fun. So probably I have a combined amount of hours of like 172, which is I it's insane. And I know that, but it's not stopping me. Like I'm still enjoying it. And I still think about it constantly. I think that's more than I have on like any game. You know, like I I don't think I have any game over like maybe 110. I think the only game that compares on my list, I think, is probably Elden Ring. Yeah, I believe that just to beat it is like 100 plus hours just to beat Elden Ring. And I know I've played multiple times through that. So fair, uh, fair, fair, fair. Okay, can you tell me because I haven't done it yet. And we're hoping, me and you are hoping to do like a Let's Play or something at some point in the future, do a a full run together. But can you tell me some of the differences between like the single player and multiplayer? Yeah. So, I mean, you've got a pretty free reign as far as multiplayer goes. Like you can split off and do your own thing. I wouldn't advise it really all the time just because especially with combat stuff because you really want to be together when somebody's fighting unless it's like a real small group but that aside like if someone's in a uh, any kind of dialogue everybody else can listen into it and like watch this person going through they don't have to but they're able to like select like a little ear next to them and see the talk as it's going on and also make recommendations as to what the person is choosing they don't get to choose they can vote on like what to choose basically that's awesome. The ear thing, I remember that from, I think, Divinity Original Sin 2. But the voting on on um, what to do, that is a really cool aspect that I didn't know about. That's very neat. And if you have, like, with, with spells like um, Guidance, since I know you have Shadowheart in your party, like, she probably uses Guidance constantly on your yes. uh, ability rolls. So if a person on your team, so that's something when you're doing a single player, you can just like click the plus sign and do it yourself. But if it's another person on your team who has it and you're in the dialogue, then they have to cast it themselves on you. Or I mean, they have to like click the button to do it themselves. Like you can't just like okay. automatically make them cast that spell on you. So it's like Does them it- having to give it to you. Does it give an auto prompt to do that during a uh, roll like that or is it yeah. like they have to go to the menu no it'll still show you like it'll show you the prompt but you won't be able to click it like they'll have to do it so you could say like okay Lazel happens to have like a necklace on that does or something or whoever's playing like uh, in multiplayer and so you're like hey man can you like cast guidance on me because I need this for this role I'm, I don't think I'm going to pass it and they can 
I guess they could choose not to if they wanted to just to make you <laughs> suffer, want, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They want to make you squirm a little. Sure. Yeah. So okay. uh, that's, that's what I think like the biggest things uh, with combat. Something interesting about that is like, and this is something you can do in the main game also, but when you have like multiple people, if they have like the same initiative or if they're like in a row together, like let's say you, me and like one other person had our turns one or after the other in combat then we could choose who goes in what order we don't have to go in the order that it shows at top so like mm-hmm. let's say like i have a buff that i could give you but i'm last on that list in in the one two three order then i could just cast that on you and then you could go but that's only if we're like like right next to each other it can't be like you me and then an enemy and then another person because then that person would have to go separately but as long as people are next to each other on the same team, they're able to go or exchange turns basically to go whenever they want to. But you can also go oh, simultaneously. Okay. So we could both literally go at the same time if we're next to each other. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, aside from that, uh, you don't really get a lot of companion time if you're doing like three or four player multiplayer. So right. it was even suggested by Larry and the studio that made it like, if you're going to do like bigger multiplayer matches like that to just kind of ignore the companions in the game because you won't really get to experience their story because part of it is like having them come with you on your quest. That's how you're building rep with them and stuff. So if they can't come with you, then you're not really getting to converse with them in the same way or, you know, share those experiences with them. So you're not really going to get to fulfill their main quest. So better to just kind of ignore them if you're playing on a like a larger multiplayer game. If you if you're doing two players then you could just bring two companions along and go with that. But that's one of the caveats to it, I guess. When you go to camp and stuff like that and um, one of the companions tries to prompt something, you can kind of just be like, leave <laughs> and just be done with it and, and not continue that conversation. Basically, yeah. is what they're saying. You could either do that or just like not even recruit them. Just be like, nah, let's go our separate ways because. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not using them. So that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, could and you they just won't really come them? into play. You Can you, you could. just outright kill them right there on the spot? If if you wanted to. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, also, something they just added, which is great. And I wish this had been in since the beginning, but it's good that, that they have it now because patch two just launched like today the day we're recording this. And what they did was, so before, if you started a multiplayer game, a co-op game, then let's say there's three of your friends are in this party. Like you're stuck with that party, period. Like you can't, even if one of the people can't make it, like you just have to kind of have them tagging along. You can't make them stay at camp or whatever. Um, So that person is always going to be there and you can't like tag them out for someone else like you can with the regular companions. However, Now that they've done this patch, you can do that. You can leave them back at the base. So you could really, before you kind of had to keep your single player and your multiplayer games completely separately. Now it's more feasible to have both. Like you can have a game where when your friend's online, he comes into your game. And when he's not online, you can just make him stay at camp and you can bring the companions along if that's how you choose to play it. So you can basically like go level up without them and just be like forget you yeah but luckily with that with this game like everybody gains levels when anybody does or everybody gains experience regardless yeah true 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 yeah um that's cool 
Yeah, so those are kind of the big things. Otherwise, it's just so much fun experiencing these things together and especially seeing the chaos ensue when someone makes a bad decision or someone accidentally like steals something or walks onto a trap or whatever. Like that's the real fun of it. Or just like seeing these battles play out in such an epic way that it's like it's not as special if it happens to you alone. But when it's you and multiple people and you do something crazy, it's like, oh, man, like that's something that's really going to stick with you. And you're going to remember it for a while. So that's the really fun part of it. What's the first stupid thing you did that got you killed? Um, Probably walking over any kind of traps. Well, you know okay. what? Not even me. It's the, the NPCs are not smart when it the AI yeah. is not smart when it comes to following you. Like they'll follow you fine. But if you spot a trap, they'll even call it out like, oh, no, a trap. And they'll see it and it'll appear and you'll like stealthily walk around it but then they'll just like jaunt right over it and blow you all up <laughs> yeah so they have like bad did pathing issues sometimes yeah uh, that i died a couple times like in that those ruins like right at the beginning of the game because there's so many traps in that freaking place yeah oh, and man. um there's that one room that's just all traps and uh Oops, yeah i definitely traps. i definitely died that time um for that exact reason and mm-hmm. um also i was the idiot that you know saw the pit with the rope and i was just like huh i'm gonna i wonder what this is so i i clicked on it and then um the big like stone right above me fell crushed my head and i fell through it and died <laughs> 20 minutes into this game <laughs> just dead so yeah yeah it was one of That's... those like oh come on <laughs> really why why did I do that? So. Otherwise, one of the dumb things I did was I tried to outdrink this uh, abomination bartender type guy. Oh, nice. like, he's just like a gigantic dude. And I was like, I think I could outdrink him. I was wrong. And so that gave me like, and then like uh, it was a whole thing. But basically that mess led to me getting killed. And yeah. I had to reapproach the situation (laughs) very delicately. But even sometimes like you'll think you have an advantage. You'd be like, oh, I've got so many bonuses to this. Then you'll roll a a crit fail. And since since we 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 do not save scum, we have to live with the consequences of our actions. And it's like, well, I guess I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Exactly. Oh, boy. Yeah. Some of those have have really put me in a in some rough situations, which is why I had to fight everybody in the underdark. (laughs) And, uh, there's a lot of dead folks down there. Lots of bodies, you know? Oh yeah. They'll be singing songs about the nightmares that took place down there. That's for sure. Yeah. There's also beholders. There are basilisk. There are, uh, minotaurs. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, those minotaur really mean. Also yeah. that that tower with all the um with the armor guys. Um, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that sucks. You say the <laughs> you say the wrong thing to them, they get offended. They all try to kill you and they are very hard to beat. They are tough, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't that was not fun. We had to run for it. <laughs> so, uh <laughs> they're still alive and kicking. We just ran. So, yeah, well, anyway. probably smart. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to talk about a different game real quick. I've also been playing like when I've had the time and basically when my friend who I've been playing it with has been on, I've been playing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the game that just came out. 
And that is so fun and just so hectic. And it's a completely different experience, obviously, from Baldur's Gate. So it's like I'm I'm never feeling like I'm having the same kind of like um I, I guess like game type going on. So if I get tired of one or if I get kind of like, okay, let me play something else or let me do something else, I can just go over to the other and it feels like a completely different experience. Sure. This one is a lot like um the Friday the 13th game, which I definitely liked. I you, loved that game. Oh yeah, my God. it was a fantastic game. That was I one was that obsessed I obsessed with that when it came out back in the day. I kickstarted that game, and that's why, like, I got it super early. It was great. Anyway, I was gonna say, yeah, we spent hours and hours and hours in that game. Like, I that's one where, um, I mean, we played it on the PlayStation Network back in the day, but um, I I don't have that account anymore, but. I'd be interested to see how many hours I sunk into that originally because <laughs> yeah. it was a lot. Oh, yeah. We were playing that all the time. But yeah. this one is it definitely harkens back to that game in that there are multiple ways to escape. It's not just like uh, Dead by Daylight where it's hang somebody on a hook, prosper, you know, or, sure. or, you know, get out the turn off the generators and you have to get out. This one has multiple uh, avenues of escape. Um Instead of, you know, just Jason, instead of one killer, you're playing as three killers or you and two other people are playing as the other killers. So you get some choices. Basically, somebody has to be Leatherface, of course, because he's the mascot. And then the two others are just members of his family, fellow cannibals. And they all have different abilities like uh, Leatherface isn't the smartest and he can't like do a whole lot as far as like squeezing through um, any kind of like tight spaces or whatever, like some of the others can, but if there's obstacles in the way, a lot of times he can just like chainsaw through them. And when he is running after you and you hear that chainsaw revving, it is so scary. Like you tense up so hard because you can't see him when he's behind you and you're running, but you can hear him getting closer. And that that is the kind of like, uh, I don't know, that's the kind of tension that it you get when you're watching a horror movie sometimes and you feel it like if you're like, OK, I'm so close to escaping, but I can hear him getting closer and closer. It's like, am I going to get away or is he going to saw right through me? I don't know. And that's where it's super exciting. Um, some of the other family members are like um, the cook. He has really good like he's an older member of the family, so he's got really good hearing like he knows the grounds really well. So he can like kind of sit and listen. And if you if you hold down this button, then he'll just listen to like certain areas and it'll kind of give him a clue as to where some sound is coming from. And he can if he holds on to it, he can kind of pinpoint where people are. It doesn't reveal them to everyone else, but he can at least get like a good outline image of them so he can get a good general direction of where somebody is um the hitchhiker which is you know if you've seen the first text text chainsaw massacre it's the guy they pick up and he you know cuts himself and all that mess yeah he is like really he plays a lot like the survivors do where he can kind of crouch down he can squeeze through a lot of the escape routes they can go through and stuff like that so he's very mobile and then there's um i'm not gonna go through all the characters but there's everybody has a different ability And same with the survivors, they can all do slightly different things better than the others. Like there's the jock guy who can kind of charge and push some of the uh, killers over to help escape. And he's got the most strength. And then there's some who are like smaller, but they are really good at lock picking or something or really good at like hearing when someone's nearby. Just they have a variety of different skills. So it like benefits you to play multiple or to have multiple people playing with you. There's 
it's four survivors against three killers. So there are more survivors oh, and killers, but like there it's it's asymmetric gameplay in that everybody plays a little bit differently. So you kind of want to, um, I guess, know who you're playing with and how you can best benefit the party. And uh, as you're going through it, like you also are gaining experience with those individual players or i guess you're gaining experience period and you can spend it on the like upgrades uh, upgrades for the characters to make give them different kind of perks and stuff like that if you want to like really enhance what they're doing so okay yeah there's some replay value to it of course there's three different well six different maps if you count the day and night as two different ones but uh, i know they're going to add more it's still very early on like it just came out like two weeks ago maybe yeah i and think so it's just super fun have a really good time i don't know if i would enjoy it as much playing by myself but when i'm playing with someone else or multiple people it just feels so good and it's just exciting whether you win or lose it's always a story so with that game so is it like a case of for uh leatherface and the killers they win by um you know, killing everybody. And then for the um, survivors, is it a case of like, are there multiple ways for you guys to win? Like um, in Friday the 13th, you can either wait out the clock or get like uh, to a specific like part of the map to escape. Um, What's the like specific objective for them to be able to Win. So for the survivors, it's it's escaping for sure, but there are different ways to escape and different like um, types of escape, I guess. There's there are like um, I, I can't remember what they're called, but little generators or something that you pick up and you put them inside a machine and then that powers that up so you can like uh, turn this gate on so you can go through that. There are uh, there's like a, a a car battery that is charging an electric fence that you need to go and disable so that you can get through this one certain area. There is a um, there's a basement, at least in one of the maps. I'm not sure if it's all of them. There's a basement escape where you can kind of figure out a way to turn off that exit or turn that on so you can get through that one mm, there. Okay. Oh, gosh, what's the other one? Oh, it's like kicking a uh sort of generator so that you can like get it to turn up it's a pump or something can't remember what it is but you kick that until that turns off the whole time like you're trying to balance not making noise but also hurrying up and that's really the delicate balance you have to find out like if you're close to escaping and you're like i I think i have enough time then that's when you start making a ton of noise you're like okay that'll get me through this faster but you also risk them finding you all at the same time like the killers are feeding their grandpa blood like he's a stationary guy in in a wheelchair that old guy who like yeah you know they lift the hammer up and like hit the girl in the head so uh, in this one they are the family members are trying to feed him blood, which they get by either attacking the um, survivors or like picking up some blood from these little like blood baskets around the map. And as they are doing that, he's leveling up. He can get up to level five. But every time he hits a new level, it uh, he lets out like a, a scream or something or like some kind of wail. And that if anybody, if any of the survivors are actually moving while he's wailing, it will outline them in yellow. So everybody knows where they are. So it'll tell, it'll warn the survivors. It'll be like grandpa is about to let out his death wail or whatever it is, his scream. So 
hold still. And but if someone's running from a killer, like they can't hold still. And then it's like revealing they're revealed to everyone at that point for a short time. So if grandpa gets to level five, then it's like everybody's revealed, period. Like he doesn't have to they it doesn't it don't have to be moving or anything. Like just from that point forward, since he's fully leveled up, like the killers always know where the victims or where the survivors are. Yikes. Oh man. It's okay. A, that's the race against the clock part of it. Yes. And uh I think th- the like if if there's one survivor left, then like they are also on a countdown to where it will just reveal them after a while because they don't want somebody like just delaying the game by hiding or something and not doing anything. Yeah, and, that used uh, to happen in um F13 all the time. Yeah, yeah. So they've mitigated that. Parts of it sound like part Friday the 13th and then and then also part Dead by Daylight in a couple different aspects, but it sounds like it's not as boring as Dead by Daylight. <laughs> Because yeah. and well, here's the thing about Dead by Daylight that um that bothers me. There's like so much variety in characters and like levels and stuff that is really cool. But there's like zero variety in like you know what you can do with all of that. And like the meta game, I feel like is kind of ruined with that. Where it's just like um, everybody's learned these very specific like trip like tricks and things like that that um, I don't know just make the game not fun. I feel um, like there's a lot less of that in the game. I feel like they've made the maps yeah. well enough to where that gets avoided a lot. Like it is very possible to escape the killers, especially Leatherface with all the, like, you know, moving through those cracks in the walls or moving over some kind of obstacle that he just can't do. So he has to either take the time to cut it up or like with a crack in the wall, he can't cut that up. So he has to find a way around it. So that really delays him. If he catches you, yeah, he's going to kill you. But you have a lot more capability of actually escaping, which makes it a lot more fun than Dead by Daylight, where it feels like in that game, if someone's chasing you, you're pretty much going to get caught. Like they're going to be on yeah. you the whole time because there's not a lot of methods to escape if they're that close to you already. Yeah. If you get hung up, they just camp you. You know, they, they wait. Right. So uh, it, it's like if you do get caught the once, it, the game's over for you pretty much. Like um, at least like the, the, the times I've played it, and like, you know, played with friends and and like folks that play the game all the time. Like, I feel like every game we've walked away from, everybody has left that game extremely frustrated. Even the <laughs> people that say they enjoy the game, they always seem so tilted. And I'm just like, why are you still playing the game then? If you're so mad, there just wasn't there was just a gap where there wasn't really anything better because Friday the 13th had gotten shut down for a long time, or at least not updated because of the legal issues and whatnot. So that was a that was a fine in between game. But I really think like Chainsaw Massacre has brought it back. The kind of game that I actually enjoy playing that the survivor versus um, killer game in a, such a grand way, especially with three killers, like it seems like it would be like way out of balance, but it, they managed to do it so well. It's it's crazy and so fun. Oh, what I was going to say was like uh, when you get hit like a certain degree as a survivor, you'll start to bleed out. And there are like med kind of like bottles or whatever kits around the 
level that you can find and use if you have the time to. But if you're kind of on your last legs and the um, med kits have been all used up or whatever, and you're the only survivor and you're bleeding out, like you're pretty much just like you got to either really try to escape or just sit there and accept defeat because there's nothing that's going to stop you from just bleeding out at a certain point. How big are the levels? Because I think that is something that made Friday the 13th more fun for me is that those levels were huge versus um, when you do play Dead by Daylight, the levels are real small. So it's just like, you know, there isn't anywhere to go, you know, if someone does get on you where it's like Friday the 13th, there are so many, there was so many options and choices as far as where to go to get gear, to hide, to, um, you know, try to figure out your escape route, your escape plan. And, you know, if the killer, you know, in that case, if, if Jason's busy in, in one area, then he's not going to be on you for at least a few minutes. So it gives you some time to to think and at least try to strategize. Um, we're in Dead by Daylight. I feel like strategy isn't really part of it. Uh, unless it's like unless it's like a cheese kind of strategy you know Mm -hmm. what's it like in texas chainsaw Uh, i don't know how it compares like specifically map size i don't feel like the map is as big as friday the 13th but it's multi-layered because there's the um the ground layer and then there's a basement so in that way maybe the combination of both of those like adds up to about what a uh, friday the 13th map would be but that really Got adds it. another layer to it since it's like, are they upstairs? Or are they downstairs? Sometimes even if you detect like a survivor or something, they will be on a different floor than you. And you're like, oh, well, I don't have time to go down there. Yeah. By the time I get down there, they'll probably already be gone. So that kind of makes it where it's like, well, it's not worth my time to rush over there to them. But if someone is downstairs, sure. since there's three of you, you can communicate with each other and be like, hey, if you're downstairs, if you're in the basement, somebody's down there, you know, go check it out. And so that's where that communication really comes into play and makes it a lot of fun. I couldn't imagine there just being one killer, which is weird for me to say after coming from Friday the 13th. But it's like it would be so hard to play with just one killer because there are so many routes that the um, survivors can take and so many places they can hide. I got a really cool kill yesterday with Leatherface where somebody was hiding in a closet and I saw them run in there like out of the corner of my eye. So they didn't know, but I pulled them out of it and then it let me execute them on the ground. And like I shoved my chain or I shoved their head into my chainsaw. It was really cool. Ooh, yeah, nice. it was brutal, but awesome. That's That was one of those things I always liked is um, you could like, as you leveled up in, um, you know, Friday the 13th, you could start to customize the kind of kills and stuff. And you Mm -hmm. could earn like rare kills as a reward, which were pretty fun. Um, And yeah, like I I always thought that was fun. So like this sounds like I I think you've sold me on this one for sure. It, It makes me miss the times we spent doing Friday the 13th. And it sounds like this is 100% filling that need that other games haven't been able to do. There's been so many other ones too that have like tried because I know they tried to do like a Puppet Master kind of one. Yeah, I haven't played that one. So I don't know how it compares, but I haven't heard as many, I I at least haven't heard as many like positive things about it as I have Texas Chainsaw. 
there's like a whole bunch of um you know just kind of clones of like these these types of games uh there was like uh that VHS one i think is was it VHS society or something along those lines that looks cool it looks cool but like it doesn't have great reviews so i never really got around to trying that one out um there's the prop one um oh yep prop night yeah so there's there's like so many of these but like we need a good one <laughs> so I'm excited that this exists now. This makes me really excited about the Killer Clown one that's coming out. I think yeah, th- later this that year. That one I'm really excited for. Yes, because um, that one I think is also. I think it's. I know it's like three or four clowns against however many survivors. Also, I don't know the exact number, but it's going to be like a a big multiplayer mess like this one is, which is so fun. Yeah, we had. I'm these- excited for that. When we were playing last night, like we teamed up with these other two people and we were the survivors, but we weren't on mic with them, but we could hear them like talking to each other because they were on a team also. And Mm -hmm. just their commentary was so funny, like that really added to the game. (laughs) And everyone was dead but me at the end as the survivor. And they're like, oh, he's going to die. He's going to die. Like, oh, why do you do that? Why do you do It was just like all these things. Just commenting on me, I'm like, oh man, I know I'm making bad choices, but I managed to escape by myself and get out of there and win the game for us. And that was like, that's awesome. Yeah, it was so like, it it was comical while also nerve wracking because I know I'm being chased by all these killers. So that's yeah. Again, when you get with a fun party, even if it's people you don't know, like that's when it really shines. There, there's the opposite end of that where you can get with some really like crummy people. You can always mute them if you want to. So that's good. Yeah, you have your options. It's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, it's free to play. So give it a there shot. There you go. Game Pass. And go ahead and uh, plug Carly's podcast too. So Carly was the the friend you've been playing the yeah, game with. I've been playing that game. She introduced me to it actually. And I was like, okay, you got to kind of help guide me through this because she'd been playing it for like a week longer than I had. And so she's really helped me get a lot better at it and figuring that out. Her podcast is Final Girls, and that is a horror podcast. So if you're into that kind of stuff, check it out. Yeah, talks all about like uh, different horror movies. They review, uh, her and her co-host review a different horror movie. Um, I think it's weekly, isn't it? Or yeah, it's weekly. They do some real deep cuts sometimes, too. Like They review a lot of ones that like I haven't even heard of sometimes. It, it's introduced me to a lot of new films and stuff to check out. So that's really cool. 100%. Um, speaking of like um, watching things though, uh, I haven't been able to game as much, but I have been able to watch a lot of stuff and I've been watching a lot of anime and there's a couple that I wanted to tell you about. And this first one, um, I was interested in, in to see if you had heard of it. It's called Fire Force, which was um, the, uh, the manga was created by the same creator of uh, Soul Eater. Do you I remember? Have, um, yeah, I, I've definitely heard of Fire Force and I've seen a lot of the manga as I go to, you know, through the bookstore. When you get but, to stores and stuff, yeah. Yeah, I've never read it though or watched it. So I don't know yeah. much about it, but it looks really cool. Man, I gotta recommend it. It's super, super good. I'm having such a blast with it. I mean, pun only slightly intended. Um, <laughs> it is so much fun. Um I do I do want to caveat though that it does have that um that spiritual essence that um Soul Eater had. So like 
there is some straight up perviness in there for sure <laughs> that gets snuck in um specifically around one very specific character show um, me show me a manga slash anime that does not have perviness and i'll be I mean, surprised here's the thing though soul eater like there's a couple times it went to a level i wasn't like prepared for it to hit and i was <laughs> like what and fire force definitely just is like you know what we're gonna do that too uh <laughs> But what I like about it, the uh, the art style is, is very similar to you. Um, it's just, it's not as like Halloween-ish themed as Soul Eater was, but it still has some of those nuances to it, which is really cool. Um, so what it's about is basically like um, takes place in, um, you know, our, our regular everyday world, except that some event has happened and um, I think they call it the great uh, cata- um, cataclysm. And basically like a lot of nations were like completely wiped out. There's only so many like habitable cities and stuff around the world now. And what happens from time to time is someone might spontaneously combust. And when they do, they become basically like this demon called like an infernal that typically goes kind of hangwire and starts like, you know, wrecking havoc and stuff. And that's where the fire force comes in. They are basically these trained, like not really, not so much like fire, like firemen kind of people, but more like they're usually like pyrokinetics, but in like fire like retardant gear and stuff um so they go out and they fight and um kill the eternal or um infernals but um they also are like you know recognizing that this was just a person so they also have like a little bit of like this spiritual aspect for it so they do like this prayer and stuff when they kill them to like you know put the spirit to rest and stuff um so you've got like a list of different um like characters you follow the main character Character who um, is like a rookie when it starts out. So that becomes kind of your every man who, you know, uh, you know, in typical anime fashion, you know, has like some sort of big destiny to him. You know, you know, he's like special and everyone is like starting to recognize it and stuff. So he's so uh, another shonen anime. Yes, very much a shonen. But the characters are really, really cool. I think there's a character you would like named Arthur who is just obsessed with being an like a knight. He's kind of a goofball, <laughs> but he's got like this little like hilt that um like I said these are all like kind of pyrokinetics and stuff. He basically creates like a lightsaber sort of thing like it's just like plasma with this sword and he's just like obsessed with being a knight. He refers to himself as being a knight. Um, he sometimes like talks like he's a knight and he always calls, um, the, uh, the main character, um, Shinra a devil because Shinra has like this big toothy, like grin, kind of like soul eater. He's got like the really shark looking teeth. So he always refers to Shinra as a devil and him a knight and he'll call like women, like maidens, damsels, (laughs) things like that. Yeah. And he's kind of an idiot, which is really fun. Um, there's another character, uh, Maki, who is like this uh, this woman who's like 
super fit, but she loves like fairy tale princess kind of things. Uh, so she's just like got this fun little duality to her that she's like way more ripped and strong than almost everybody, but she like loves fantasy and, um, like pretty stuff, but she feels like she can't wear pretty stuff because she's so like ripped and strong. Like she's stronger than everybody. She can be everyone up. Um, and she also has like her pyrokinesis is like very witch-like. So she wears a witch hat a lot of the times. Um, so it's like a lot of stuff like that. It's a really, really cool cast of characters. Um, one of the big premises of this is trying to find out what is causing the human combustion, because they they start to kind of unravel this mystery of there's a source to it and the story really takes place around these characters as a part of like um company eight in the fire force and the other companies in the fire force or some of the companies might actually be involved in causing the infernals in the first place so along with um you know fighting and and doing all their things they're also investigating um so there's a little bit of this kind of like political intrigue there's some backstabbing and stuff like that among the other um companies um it's really exciting it's really really fun i like 100% would recommend it like if you like um soul eater if you like like my hero academia this is definitely one to check out for sure. I you've really turned my thoughts around on it. Not that I was against watching or reading it, but uh, my initial thought was that it was about firefighters. Like that's what it looked like, like <laughs> literal firefighters, because that's kind of what they're dressed like on some yeah, of the covers. They are dressed that way. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of one of those things where it's like pretty basic, but it seems like there's a lot more to it and it's, oh my God, it's not yes. that at all. So that in that way, nothing against firefighters. I just don't want to like read sure. a manga about firefighters specifically, but if they are fighting with actual fire and stuff like that, then cool. I'm in. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and there's a lot of fighting. Um, it's pretty fun. Uh, there is, um, um, there's a lot of like backstory to kind of like each character too that gets pretty in depth, which is pretty fun. Like I, I would say, um, it, in that way, there's a lot of like, um, full metal alchemist to it also where like the characters are very fleshed out. Like even all the supporting characters are very fleshed out and you learn a lot about them. And as far as like how like there's almost like, you know, in full metal, it's it's very like it's a military and stuff. But this is not that much different as far as how that goes. So I would say that um, it does have a little bit of that feel too. not nearly as serious as like full metal was, but it does have a little bit of that similar um, structure and intrigue and, um, you know, some of the politics and things like that to it as well um and and including like some shadowy figures kind of manipulating things just like you had in full metal so um if any of that sounds good all rolled into you know one thing with lots of firepowers uh yeah i definitely think it's something you should check out there's uh two seasons available right now on crunchyroll so um, yeah we got that check it out man i'm in the other one that i started watching and this is like newer, like there's still episodes being released right now is uh total opposite of this. It's really weird. This is called Reborn as a Vending Machine. 
I now wander the dungeon. So (laughs) this is about this guy who was kind of like, um, he was an otaku. He's like this nerd dude who was just obsessed with vending machines in our world who gets killed inadvertently by a vending machine. I guess not inadvertently. One falls off a truck and it lands on him and kills him. And then he wakes up as a vending machine, but he's in like, a fantasy world, like a D&D style fantasy world or or one kind of like, um, I guess, more akin to like Shield Hero or something. Uh, so this guy is a vending machine and he's in Shield Hero, basically. Um, and that's the premise of this this anime. Um, and it's a lot more fun and, and has a lot more to it than you would suspect. So I watched it because I was just like, there's nothing they can do with that. There's no possible way. But like you were surprised with like the amount apparently a vending machine can accomplish (laughs) in a fantasy world. He does end up with these different powers as a vending machine. Like um, he can change the things in his inventory. Like he can change what he can offer. Um, Eventually he can change into different types of vending machines. There are some caveats, like he has to earn so many like coins, which translate into points for him to be able to keep like his energy to keep running. Otherwise, he's going to die when he runs out. He also can't communicate the way he would want to. Like he can't just talk to people. He has just these pre-programmed sayings that he can only use. Like one of them is just like, hi there. He befriends this woman who basically ends up fighting a bunch of bullywugs and she's just real hungry, real thirsty afterwards. And um, so he dispenses food, drinks for her, stuff like that. And they establish like a common language that way by him saying like, repeating two specific phrases to mean yes or no. And then she's able to start kind of like figuring out um, how to really utilize him. And she also is super strong. She's gifted with strength. So she basically just carries him around on um, her back to different towns, names him Boxo. um, And basically he ends up like in a lot of fights where he can't really do the fighting, but he can project like a barrier to protect people. But he ends up on the front lines a lot, dispensing like food and drinks, things like that. And then also in like real weird parts where, and this was like an episode that I was just like, okay, this was weird. There was like a group of specific creatures that were coming into this town And these creatures were rampant with um, sexual diseases. And the mayor of this town was like, Boxo, what can you do for us? We need some sort of solution. He turned into a condom vending machine (laughs) and (laughs) started dispensing condoms. And so like the mayor and these other people are like trying to figure out what the heck these condoms are. So that was like this whole thing. Um, But it just kind of shows like the different stuff that kind of happens in this this, um, show. And... It's just, it's surprisingly very fun, very heartwarming at times. And um, it's just goofy. Like if you, if you want something for just uh, to kind of laugh along to, it's just something in like a ridiculous fantasy setting. It's, it's not bad, honestly. Better than I thought it would be for sure. I think, I mean, that sounds cool. <laughs> I definitely want to check it out um, or, and or read it if it's a manga. Um, sure. I, I feel like we need to jump on the time I got reincarnated as or time I woke up as a bandwagon. 
because it there are so many stories like that and they're for the most part the ones that i've seen or read have all been really fun or just awesome surprisingly awesome like that's what rising of a shield hero is too it's that time i got reincarnated as the shield hero essentially just all those isekais would turn you into different things than you normally are there's one that's like that time i got reincarnated as yamcha from dragon ball z <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I still haven't been able to read that. But I really want to. It was really funny. That sounds great. I think the most popular one, real quick, is Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, or at least the most popular one right now. Which, And I've seen some of that. Absolutely. That is really good, surprisingly. So don't, like, I guess, don't think twice about watching or looking at something, even if it's that vending machine one, because there's something there. I don't know exactly oh, yeah. why yet, but that's the code we need to crack as we come up with our own. And this is, so this is what I was thinking. I was thinking really hard about it. And by hard, I mean, I was taking a dump and I was like, what would be funny? <laughs> so, um, and applying it to us and I'm like, okay, what, what would happen? What, what kind of suits our theme? So I was thinking, wh- how? what if we tried to flesh out something like I was reincarnated as a sloth at my corporate job and like how, how that would go? Because I okay. feel like all kinds of shenanigans could take place there. I'm going to tell you the first thing. Well, okay, two things. First thing is I found out today that sloths are the only mammal that cannot fart. So, <laughs> if, What? Yeah, look it I up. I didn't know that. It's a fact. It's true. How, wait, but please take me on the journey to how you found that out. It, oh, I found it out very simply because someone sent me a video of oh, okay. a little girl telling her dad that and then her dad checking it and like, wow, <laughs> that's actually true. So it All was right. it was not something that I sought Easy. out, but I'm glad yeah. that I now know. Okay. Okay. So okay. that that could be to um that could come to our advantage if we were reincarnated as a sloth let's say we end up at a company dinner or get invited to like the boss's house and the wife is making the worst meal ever and we are trying to compete with others for like a a promotion um a higher position we could eat more and more of that garbage food. And in, we are not going to pass gas in that house while everyone else around us is getting the bloat and getting the toots, you know? I feel like that's more of a you-specific problem than it is yeah, me. That, well, yeah, because onions exist and, and lactose exists <laughs> and air exists. To add on to your thing real quick before I pitch my idea... Sure. I was thinking with the sloth thing, so it would be one of those where we're turning to the sloths, but we're still going about our regular lives. And for some yes. reason, no one is noticing that we just happen to be sloths. Aside yeah. from the fact that we're just doing everything a little bit slower, not a lot slower, because we already go at a pretty but slower, pretty yeah. slow pace, but slower than our normal sure. selves. Like, yeah, so maybe they'll comment on just something being done a little bit slower, but otherwise not paying attention to us just like really trying to find a place to hang upside down from or anything like that, <laughs> completely ignoring all of that, treating us 
just the same way. And maybe that's even speaking to just corporate culture where it's like, that's how much they pay attention to the actual employee. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like because we're sloths, we're having to find new ways to do things because otherwise we would be too slow to get the stuff done that we were already kind of slow at. <laughs> so like we, we're, we're having to find like shortcuts and like do other things to make up for the fact that we are now slower than we were, which was already kind of slow, you know? So I, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's gotta be part of it for sure. I was thinking, uh, well, the first thing that crossed my mind was that time I got reincarnated as a video game character only because we could really take that in so many different directions. Like it doesn't have to be just one type of video game. It can be like uh, reboot-esque in the sense that we're going to different games or if we die in one type of game, we're transported to a different type of game or something like that. Yeah. But that could be a really interesting idea to play with. I think if like if it was all like, um, what if we, I think it's got to be a little more specific because there's so many that are like that. Like even Shield Hero has like a HUD and stuff. But what if it was like, reincarnated into a retro game or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh yeah, that time I got reincarnated as a either 16-bit or 8-bit as a video sprite? game character as a sprite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're stuck in like retro style games with those types of like limitations and things. That could be something for that sure. Could be something. I'm trying to like think about how to expand on that where it's like does it cut into a scene where all the stuff that looks pixelated from the outside is like super realistic and stuff in certain panels? So it's like here's what it actually looks like, but here's what people are seeing on the outside like as they're playing this game <laughs> or watching this game being played. And it's like yeah. someone might see like a sprite of some kind of monster and be like, "Oh, that's adorable." But then in the game it's like some monstrous beast like we're facing yeah sure yeah Yeah, yeah. i like that that could be something fun to play with and have kind of a duality to it what were like some of like the biggest like retro game tropes i mean platforms everywhere like that would be a constant like so much jumping so many platforms to jump (laughs) yeah and like, like we, we also would have to comment on like you not being able to like move in midair like you can either jump straight up or down or across like you can't like exactly. in those old games you didn't have like uh, the ability to like angle yourself really no not at all you you have to get like a real running start to be able to like you know move diagonally at any point mm-hmm Lots of like uh, temporary upgrades. That was a really big thing for retro games for sure. And with most of them being terrible and there always being one that you wanted but never got. Uh, One ups you have to have. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. Like (laughs) the first time you die. (laughs) Like I just like a picture like you're you uh, fall from one of the many platforms and you were just scared for your absolute life like you know this is this is the it you think you're dying but then like you just all of a sudden show right back up again right where you started <laughs> and you're just like oh oh dang okay and yeah. and notice that like there's a little um you know avatar head above you with a number and it's one less and you're like I, yeah oh. 
I would think there would have to be some kind of HUD element to it for sure, but not sure. anything complex. Definitely like the old ones where it's like health bar, number of lives, points. I, I you know, you points, have to have but points the in points- there. Yeah, there's points, but like you don't know what the points are for for the longest time. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> I love that idea because like that was something, um, at least for me as a kid, so many games I would like be getting points, especially like the Mario games and stuff. Like I'd be earning points and stuff. And it's like not like the points are doing anything for you. Even collecting the coins, like like if you collect so many, you can get like a one up in some yeah. of the games but like it really didn't amount to much so it was kind of pointless oh what okay what if it was like that time i got reincarnated as a sprite in a variety arcade machine just to make it very specific <laughs> and very like specific yeah at night when it turns off we're just kind of like sitting in the darkness like there's nothing until the machine oh. comes back on I like that. Uh, I I like that a lot. And then, like as as the show or manga or whatever this thing is progresses, maybe you're finding a way into other arcade cabinets. Yeah. Oh, that'd you be know? awesome. Yeah. Like you can yeah. jump to the. Oh, or just yeah, that traveling time I got through reincarnated the wire, as a sprite in an arcade. Yeah. So that way you're able to travel. That'll make the story have a lot of variety to it. In the same way, I was thinking. But that way it makes more sense from a perspective of, okay, I'm going to go to this machine for this reason or whatever. Yeah. Like, so what if, (laughs) so let's say just for, for giggles, like, well, let's talk seasons here. What if you're spending like so many episodes or even a whole season in a very Nintendo-ish friendly type atmosphere, whether it's Mario or something or like Zelda or something. You know, that is basic combat of either just jumping on stuff or slash with your sword. It's really all you got to do. But then like you, you think you find a way out, but you just end up in like a uh, tournament fighter game where (laughs) you don't know how to tournament fight. Like you can't, you can't punch or kick yet. You have no idea how to do that. And you just get whooped. Yeah. Uh, That would be pretty fun. But what? Okay. Yeah. What if? In that scenario, because I'm like, I'm thinking, well, why would someone pick him? But then I'm like, oh, no, maybe he's like the first enemy in a tournament that the person has to fight. So, like, yeah. he's constantly getting his butt kicked because he's like the very easy computer that they have to first go through to get <laughs> to the rest of the stuff. Yeah. Until like, like he that. gets good enough to where it's like, OK, now he's beating them. And maybe I don't know what that would do. But I was also thinking of like a a thing where, you know, he's trying to he needs people to put quarters into these machines. I don't know what it's doing for him yet, but maybe in some way, like as he's looking out of this machine, he's like, oh, that guy looks rich or something or that guy's got a big like cup of coins. So in some way, like he's able to like use the machine to kind of shout out to the person or something or like yeah. make a huge kind of like extravagant uh, advertisement on the arcade to make it really to get him stand to play out. his game. Yeah, yeah, to play his game. So that way he gets the quarters because maybe that's like a thing is like if he gets a certain amount of money, he'll be able to get transported out of this machine back to his real life or something. You know, OK, there's something there because then I'm thinking, what if the the big overarching like problem in season one or whatever we're talking or at least the first story arc is like at some point uh aside from like overcoming stuff 
he finds out the game that he is currently in is being decommissioned, like the cabinet. Mm. And he's got to find a way out of that cabinet, which is the reason that he's got to, you know, he's got to leave. He's got to get out of there. Um, And then (laughs) I was just thinking, what if, what if, at some point, he's in a racing game, gets, um, you know, steals a car from the racing game. That's when he gets to the Street Fighter game. And <laughs> he ends up in the level where it's the, you know, just the, the damage barrage on the car. <laughs> and like, <laughs> so he gets in there and then it's just like, you know, some little <laughs> snot nosed kid playing like Sagat, just kicking the crap out of the car he <laughs> yeah. just arrived in. Right. He's like, oh man, come on. That's my car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I was also thinking we could add some heart to it. Like this could be his grandfather's arcade and it's at risk of being shut down because it's not getting enough business or something. Uh, yeah. This kid, I don't know, maybe he gets in some kind of accident and he's in a coma or something. And that's, in some way, he's transported into this machine, but he's still alive, uh, you know, in a hospital bed or something. So that way, it's like he's got a goal, which is to keep his one to get back to his body, but two to keep his grandfather's arcade open. So, yes. so it's kind of like two thing, two like overarching goals that he has. But there's going to be a lot of fun and antics along the way, just because of the ridiculousness of the premise. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. What a story. All right, we did it. We've done it. (laughs) If anybody wants to, I don't know, fund this and make it happen, let us know. Do it. Let us know. Uh, Send us the money to do it. We will gladly take it from you (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and, uh, and make this thing. So uh, thank you ahead of time for that. And also thank you to Lance Conrad for our theme song which is called Rebels of Our Own Kind. We we keep getting lots of compliments on that. Everybody is like always asking, oh, what's what's the theme song again? I love listening to it. That's it. It's called Rebels of Our Own Kind. Um, as always, if you enjoyed the show, let us know by throwing us a rating and writing a review wherever you can. Or you can share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. You can find us on all the things at NerdSlothHQ, or you can visit our website at NerdSloth.com and uh, keep up to date on the stuff that we're working on, even though our website isn't super up to date, but we'll get there. (laughs) We'll we'll update. I swear to God, I will. Um, You can also find a link there to our merch store and info about our active Discord community and our Patreon, where you can find hundreds of hours of bonus content from all of the various NerdSloth projects. That's it for this week. My name's Chris. And I am Joseph. And I was drinking some water, so I'm sorry. It took me a second. And, uh, oh man, what advice do I want to leave him with today? If you know you're going to get reincarnated, definitely avoid being reincarnated as Yamcha. Get reincarnated as Piccolo. Best dad. Best dad. Best dad.